It is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Happy to be back in the big chair for another day. Hope you guys are all having a good one out there. Stay as cool as possible. I know we maybe talk a little bit too much about the weather sometimes in this opening few minutes, but man, it's supposed to be 100 degrees today, 100 degrees tomorrow. That is not, uh, that's not weather you want to be out in. Generally speaking, I'm just thankful that the state fair hasn't happened uh, yet. It's not, not going to be part of this. Uh, speaking of the fair, I'll be out there quite a bit. I think I mentioned this to Roycey the other day when we were talking, but I'll be out there for probably three or four days, a um, bunch of appearances on the Star Tribune stage. Once all those things are solidified, I'll, I'll make sure to promote those properly. But uh, yeah, look, look for me and other Star Tribune folks out at the State Fair starting Thursday and beyond when hopefully it's not 100 degrees. Good show today, I should say as well. Uh, Chip Scoggins will join me here in just a little bit, Star Tribune columnist. Um, Wanted to pick his brain on Mark Coyle. There was an interesting report on uh, on Monday that Coyle had been vetted, uh, one of the candidates who had been vetted as a possible um, possible replacement for the USC athletic director job. Now that story lasted about four hours because um, later Monday USC announced that it had named a new athletic director, and it was not Mark Coyle; it was Washington's athletic director. But Chip and I. We'll take it, you know, Chip and I talked after all that happened, and I thought it was just an interesting point to kind of evaluate Mark Coyle's place in the kind of athletic director ecosystem and evaluate the job he has done here at Minnesota in the seven years since he's been here. So Chip and I will take a look at that as well as look ahead to the Gophers football opener, which is next week coming up fast on us there. Um, got a wild NBA story at the end of the show and some twins stuff here in a few minutes. First, though, what did I miss? I want to spend a little time on the curious case of Vikings tight end TJ Hawkinson, who has been out for pretty much well most of training camp with what he described last week as an ear infection. He's been, you know, sitting out all contact drills since August 3rd. So yeah, almost still you know, getting close to three weeks now that he has been sitting out. So it's been messing with his equilibrium. He talked to reporters again on Monday. And my suspicion before he talked to reporters was, man, is is TJ Hawkinson holding in? Now, this is like kind of a fairly new term. The NFL has kind of clamped down on the idea of a contract holdout. Now, I believe it's a $50,000 fine per day, and you can't give that money back if a player holds out of camp looking for a new contract. A Hawkinson um, acquired by the Vikings in the middle of last season, um, he's in the final year of his rookie deal right now looking for a contract extension. I would think that that is a no-brainer given what they gave up for him last year, given how productive he was last year. Ten games last year, they targeted him 86 times during the regular season. He had 60 catches for 519 yards. That is very good production out of a tight end. I don't think this is a matter of are they going to sign Hawkinson to an extension? It's a matter of when, and it hasn't happened yet. So one thing a player can do when they are seeking a new deal, when it hasn't happened yet, is they can quote-unquote hold in. You show up to camp, you do all the meetings, you do some of the walkthrough stuff, but you don't expose yourself to an injury risk while you are waiting for that new contract. So 
if that's what Hawkinson is doing, and it kind of seems like he is, then that's kind of where we are with him. And now he he talked to reporters on uh, on Monday, and this only helped to confirm my suspicions and maybe the suspicions of some others that he is in fact holding in. Here is a little uh, segment. I wasn't there, but here's a little segment that was posted on the Vikings YouTube page. We did have our own Star Tribune reporters there as well, but this was from the Vikings YouTube page. Um, Hawkinson talking to reporters just kind of about where he's at right now. You know, yeah, it's gotten better. Yeah, yeah, it's gotten better. You know, I mean, like I say, uh, you know, we're just we're just taking it uh, slow and, and get me get me ready for uh, the season and, and get me ready for Sundays. You know, that's that's I'm just I'm just looking forward to be out here with these guys. You know, I just uh, just love them to death. Love being in this locker room and, and these guys are incredible. As physical as you are, does it frustrate you that an ear infection is sidelining you this long? <laughs> I mean. I mean, yeah, I am a physical person. I'm a physical player, so uh, you know, we'll, we'll carry, we'll transition that to Sundays when it comes around. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll be ready by then for sure. Um, you know, uh, that that's the goal, and uh, that's that's what we'll, that's where we'll be. Just looking forward to it. Do you expect to do any work this week in the joint sessions or no? Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it all depends. Um, you know, I'm taking it taking it day by day. So. Now, you can't see it, of course, this is audio only, but he was smiling a couple times at some of those questions, almost like this is a little cat and mouse game, like he kind of knows what's going on, we should all know what's going on, wink, wink, nod, nod, um, and that's fine, it's just uh, it's just kind of a funny space we're in right now, where if you can't hold out, you've got to kind of go through this song and dance of, um, I'm here, but I'm not really here, I'm just here not to get fined, essentially, the uh, Marshawn Lynch story. I don't know. Maybe he really is still suffering the effects of an ear infection. Maybe maybe he's going to have to get, you know, get ready for that. But it does sound like he's very confident that he's going to be ready to go once the light come once the lights come on in a few weeks for uh, for the regular season opener. So I guess if you were worried about Hawkinson thinking this might be a lingering injury, it sounds like more of a case of contractitis and that as soon as they figure out his contract, this should all be settled. Let's talk Twins for a minute here too before we get to Chips Goggins. They embark on what I would say is the toughest stretch of their post-All-Star break schedule, or at least the stretch in which they have the most to potentially lose. 15 games here coming up against the Brewers. They've got two against the Brewers, and then four against Texas, four against, or three against Cleveland, then three at Texas, and then three more at Cleveland. A 15-game stretch where you know Milwaukee's a good team. They're, they're above 500. They're kind of like the Twins this year. Texas is great. This year, Texas has been you know, one of the best teams in the American League right now. They're battling for that AL West title and certainly a playoff spot, 72-53 and 53 going into Tuesday's play. And then the Guardians, of course, not having a good season, but they are the, the nearest challenger to the Twins in the AL Central. They are six games back, 59-66. and 66. And again, um, Cleveland not having a good season, but this is Cleveland's chance. Cleveland has six games against the Twins in the next two weeks. This is their chance to make up any ground. Now, Twins comfortably in the lead. Like I said, six games with 37 games left in the season. Fangraphs projects the Twins to win the AL Central by eight or nine games over Cleveland, 10 games over Detroit, like a very comfortable finish. They're saying 95.5% chance to make the postseason to win the division. 4% chance to win the World Series. I'll take that, you guys. I think you probably would, too. But just just watch these next two weeks. Lavelle and I talked about this last week. If there's going to be a stretch where this could get a little bit uncomfortable, this is it. Because you got to play Texas a whole bunch. If you slip up there, 
then those games against Cleveland become even more magnified. You've got to do your business against Cleveland. You got to be at least kind of playing three and three, 500 ball in those six games against Cleveland. So you're not allowing them to put a dent in your lead and you got to maintain something against Texas. If they can come out of this 15 game stretch, with roughly the lead they have right now, or even if they can expand on it, then I think we can just put this thing to bed and say, okay, this thing is over. They're going to run it out to the end, and they're going to be in the postseason. But if this thing is going to get uncomfortable, it's going to happen in the next two weeks. So just pay attention to that. Watch where this lead is after these two against Milwaukee and that 13-game stretch against Texas and Cleveland, both home and away, because that could very well determine how comfortable September is for the Twins. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, premixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. Bring in Star Tribune columnist Chip Scoggins right now. A um, couple things on my mind today, Chip. Um, one of them was a story that was about a four-hour story on on Monday because <laughs> um, LA Times publishes kind of a like an FAQ style like look at USC's AD search, and they list some. They list like three people that they know that have been vetted as possible candidates for for that vacancy, which has been open for like three months. And mm-hmm. Mark Coyle, Gophers AD, is one of the three one of the three people they list that they know from multiple sources that had been at least evaluated and vetted by USC for their opening. Now and I think I think Coyle would have mentioned maybe as a candidate at the beginning of the search by a couple of like, hey, here here are the 10 people to watch, things like that. Now the story ends up fizzling out quickly because USC makes an announcement, you know, Monday afternoon that they've made their hire. They hired Jennifer Cohen from uh from from Washington, uh their their AD. So, you know, and there's no no legs to the story beyond beyond that. But it felt like it was a good opportunity chip to kind of pause and say, wow, you know, Mark Coyle is being looked at in that way. What what did you make of just USC's potential interest and that and you know why they might be interested in someone like Mark Coyle? Yeah, I, I looked at it for a couple reasons why it would make sense for them to to vet uh, Mark as a candidate. Um, one, they're going to be a Big Ten uh, colleague here uh, starting yeah. next year, and so uh, you would have someone who has been in the Big Ten for seven years and knows the landscape and knows how the conference operates, so that would be attractive. Two, uh, Mark has had to deal with a number of crises. Um in his tenure, he walked into the football uh, boycott. Uh, Jay Robinson, I think he had to suspend his first day on the job, the wrestling right, coach. Right, yeah. um, and so there's been other things that have come up that he's had to deal with. And um, I think most people would agree that uh, the way the program's run is in a respectful manner. And he's handled those situations um, and got the department going the right way. And USC, uh, obviously is a mess right now. If I don't know if people know the background oh, with their sure. AD and all the things that have gone on, a lot of drama, a lot of crisis there. Um, and so I think he would be a good fit in terms of someone who's been through some of the fires and have dealt with, uh, you know, tough circumstances. So I think that would be an attractive thing to him. Um, I think people look at PJ Fleck 
from a national perspective. I know locally people probably have a different opinion some than national, but I think most people nationally look at it and say, you know, he's done a good job at Minnesota. He win nine games however many years in a row, and uh, he hired PJ. And so I think all those things would would be a reason why they would want to have him on their list as someone to investigate. I'm not sure the fit would be uh, ideal. Mark still reminds me kind of a Midwest guy. Yeah. He talked about how much Minnesota was the one job that he left Syracuse after one year, and this is the one job he would do that for because he considers it home. He's worked here before. Um, his kids go to high school here. He had a daughter graduate from the U. Um, and so there's a lot of reasons why the Midwest and Minnesota in particular makes sense for him. But I think just the profile, what he would bring would make him uh, an attractive candidate. For them. Now, it, it I guess it just surprised me a little bit because I, I've never gotten the sense that he has another move in him just because he has said so many things about the Gophers because he's been here for seven years because he does seem like he's got roots here. Um, you know, that said, when, you know, for all the mess that there is at USC, when you see some a school like that take a look at someone who's here, you say, okay, well, is that how he's viewed elsewhere? And and how would you kind of assess kind of, you, you know him better than I do, and how would you think of what he's thinking about his you know where he stands right now with Minnesota, things that he likes about the job and may not like about the job that that may you know make us have to say, well, is this a possibility that he could leave at some point? Well, I look at it a lot like a coach would. Is USC a step up in football? Oh well, yeah, I mean if you're PJ Fleck, if if USC offered, um, I mean that's a step up from what he has, and so sure. I mean USC is still a high profile school. I don't know, you know, all about their donations and all the things that uh, the donor pool there that they have. But, um, I mean, there are challenges at Minnesota, no doubt. I mean, I think we all know that with um, the competition that the Gopher Athletic Department faces in this market with corporations and trying to get corporate dollars and trying to get people to spend their money on Gopher sports and not the Vikings or the Wild or whatever. I mean, there's just unique challenges that, uh, only a few schools have in that regard in terms of a major university in a pro market. So there's that. I mean, he's had a lot of change over at the president's office. Yeah. yeah they're going, they're going through it again. He's going to have an interim. Um, uh, now that president Gable's gone, um, they have an interim for one year and while they conduct a search. So he's going to have a new boss. This will be his what third full-time president for, yeah. if you count the interim. Hired so, by Kaler, right? I mean, and then, yeah, yeah. So that's 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 a lot of changeover. Um, so does that mean he's restless and looking to get out? I, I don't know that. Um, not that he would share that with me. But yeah, if he of was, course, right. um, obviously he's a very, uh, I would say, private, very behind the scenes AD. I don't know that that would work at USC. Um, I don't know if it work at a lot of places. Yeah. Uh, he's chosen. Um, what's the saying? I've heard him say a million times. He just I had lunch with him. Couple of weeks ago, he told me the same thing again. It's like low ego, high output. Yeah, uh, he prefers. He just doesn't want the spotlight on him. He prefers to do his work behind the scenes. Sometimes that's frustrating because you want to hear from him more and, and have more access to him. But that's just who he is. He's more comfortable behind the scenes than being on a stage and um, being the face of a athletic department. Yeah. So in, in a way that a lot of active athletic directors are. So I still think. For him to leave, it would have to be an obvious step up. And Mike, they're paying him a million dollars a year. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> this is, you know, you're in the power two conference. You're the, the uh, TV money that's coming in is going to be, I, I think starting point, $75 million per year. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't want to go backwards if you're the athletic director and be in one of these conferences that's falling apart. That's sure. um, that's scrambling to find TV deals. So uh, I, I think you'd have to take the right situation for him to, to leave. And it, it, to me, it would all, a lot of it would be about fit. Yeah. And um, I just think he has the right fit here. I think we, we talked about this before we started recording and I'll ask you about it now. If you had to put like a, a grade and maybe a grade doesn't involve enough of a gray area to make a complete evaluation. But if you put a grade on his seven, little over seven years that he's been here, how would you, what, what grade would you give him for his performance as an AD? Yeah, I would give him a B. Um, I think he's done a good job. Uh, he's hired, you look at the, uh, I can't think of off all the top of my head, but how many coaches he's hired. We know the high profile ones, but yeah. even in the, the, Olympic sports, he's had to hire, do a lot of hiring too. But, you know, you hired PJ Fleck, you hired Bob Motzko, uh, you hired Keegan Cook, the new volleyball coach. Uh, the knocks on him are he took a, a gamble on Lindsey Whalen and that didn't work out. He's taken a gamble on Ben Johnson, a young coach who hadn't been a head coach. That hasn't worked out to, so far. It's still the final chapter on, on Ben's has not been written and he's going to get at least another year to see if he can turn it around. Um, but in terms of if you look at a holistic approach, academically, you know, the things that the department's doing um, in terms of facilities, in terms of um, what athletes are doing in the community, I think, you know, it, that's a reflection of the the uh, the AD because he sets the tone and hires the coaches that require these things. I, I, you know, you'd think even the critics would say he's done a good job in those areas. Um, so I would say a, a solid B. Um, I think you said maybe a B plus, and I, you know, I wouldn't argue that. But just the, the two basketball hires, he hasn't gotten right yet. I do, I do think his new uh, hire Don on the women's side. Yeah. Um, she strikes me as very sharp, and I, I think she's going to do a good job based on everything I've seen. Now she has to prove it. Um, but uh, he needs Ben to to win here because they need basketball to to be successful financially for, for financial reasons. Obviously, um, to go with just you know, fielding a competitor, your second most profitable sport you needed to, to uh, start winning. Well, what's the final thought on this? Then I want to transition, transition to some gopher football talk before we get out of here. What, what struck me in my last two conversations with him, and it's probably like over the span of a year or so that I've, that I've talked to him for, you know, interviews or probably for this podcast, both times he's definitely mentioned how much the job has changed in the last yeah. three or four years with, NIL with transfer portal with you know just the mobility of athletes with TV money like the the job he took in 2016 is not the job he has in 2023. No, no, it is you know it's always going to be a stressful job because you're running a you know a, a, you know something with a lot of money and a lot of employees and just the eyeballs that are on big time college sports right now. Um and I had lunch with him yeah I tried to do it once a year and I have no mark for 20 something years I go back to when I was on the go for football beat, he was the marketing, he ran the marketing department. Um, so I got to know him then. So I've known him a long time and, and yeah, I mean, it, it, we were talking about the other day at lunch is like the NIL, how much of a game changer that is just for college sports, uh, realignment, 
I mean, think about what yeah. the Big Ten looks like now compared to when he's <laughs> when he walked into the job. Yeah. Four new teams, uh, four new schools. Um, the you know the TV money, obviously, how things are, um, the demands with facilities to keep pace, coaching contracts, all these things. I mean, there's just so much more intensity with college sports and how fast things can change now compared to. It used to feel like it'd move at yeah. glacial pace. Now it's like you wake up one one week and all of a sudden you could have two new schools joining your conference. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's nuts. And so trying to keep pace with that as the athletic director, listen to your, your head coaches talk about the portal and the NIL and they can't control the NIL because that's supposed to be independent of the athletic department. But let's be honest, they're, they're very heavily invested in their NIL doing well because he will hear about it from his coaches when oh, it's yeah. not. And when they lose athletes to other schools because of NIL. So you're, you're constantly trying to grow your department, but also um, engage the fan base to get them to think about it. it. used to be give your money to the donors, give your money here to the athletic department so we can spend it now. Now you're having to say, maybe not give all your money, but give you know a big part of your money to this NIL collective so they can give it to the athletes because that's the game that they're playing now. So it's, it's a complete, I don't want to say it's a completely different job, but it's, it's, fundamentally changed um in the last really three years more yeah. so than you know yeah so i don't know if that makes him less excited about the job or anything like that but it, it definitely is probably add more stress to his life well and that's going to be the reality to any school i suppose to those channel those though that new stuff is not unique to minnesota nope. but oh yeah by the no, way everybody you also went through a pandemic there's i just i just kind of like i'm just thinking about his Thinking about his tenure and like everything that has happened, it's it's not been uh, it's been a lot thrown his way in seven years. Well, I'm guessing seven years probably feels like seventy seven years. <laughs> if you think about how long, in, in all AD the stuff years, he said. it's eleven yeah, years for one years. year. It's like dog that's years right. with AD years. Well, that's right. Uh, yeah, and you know, just just to be clear, in case you know we, the point was not made at the beginning. You know, uh, USC has hired an AD. It is not Mark Coyle. I don't know how even serious the candidacy was. This was just maybe a, a point to pause and kind of think about his tenure right now and just kind of like, you know, if he if he did leave and who knows if that's even a possibility, like they, you know, they would probably have a hard time replacing him with someone who has done as good of a job as he's done, I would, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um... He's had his hands in a lot of different uh, areas in terms of, you know, one thing he's on now, he's on the, uh, he's on the NCAA basketball committee that selects the tournament of the field. Uh, he's done that last couple of years, but yeah, I mean, he just, he, he knows the big 10, he knows how this landscape has changed with the TV money and the realignment. And um, so there's a, he has a lot of, he's gained a lot of institutional knowledge I would say in seven years, but Mike, he he's he worked here prior and he yeah. stayed in close contact. So it's it's not like um his tenure is just seven years. I mean, he's he's known this department for a long time and seen it change and evolve. So um but I I can tell you I, I've given no indication by you know, talk to him. I did, you know, the, the USC thing. It made sense to me, like I said at the beginning, that they would look at him just sure. because of all the factors. Um and when you say vetting, I assume that means they probably called the gauge's yeah, interest. Yeah, yeah um, figured out. Yeah, and I, I don't know where how much it went deeper than that, but um, I guess I will say it, it didn't surprise me that he was on their radar. 
Yeah, and I don't think it ultimately surprised me that he wasn't the person that they ended up hiring either. So correct. Um, one thing that can change your opinion of an athletic director for better or for worse, awfully quickly, is the success <laughs> or failure of a football team. Yeah, I said you know PJ Flex Gophers have been has been have been good. There was the steady rise, the great year in 2019. The COVID year was kind of a lost season, but they've posted back to back nine win seasons since mm-hmm. then. I mean, not quite getting that like one extra win in one of those years that would push it from you know great. And you know, I'd say 2019 was was special, but you know, you still could have had one more win in 2019 would have pushed it into a whole yeah. new territory. I think any any of those last few years. You win one more game, you got a chance to maybe have something special happen that that didn't quite happen. But where do you now that we're you know a week away from the season opener and some some tough games in the non conference? Just kind of looking at, it. I mean, they got the second hardest schedule in the country mm-hmm. according to some projections. Like, how do you how do you see this season and kind of the arc going? Because the the schedule is tough this year, and I don't think it gets a whole lot easier in the future once you add USC. UCLA, like when you start playing better Big Ten teams, things like that, it's not going to get any easier, no. I think. No, you didn't weaken the competition by adding Oregon, Washington, USC. You really I didn't. Mean, it didn't make the road easier. I'll say that. Um, you know, this is year seven for PJ. And in a lot of ways, it is a page turner uh, because of all the names that we've been familiar with for five, six, seven years Tanner Morgan, Moe. Morio, sorry, Marin, um, they're gone. And so yeah. you have this whole new crop of either transfers or younger players that are getting their their chance to kind of step into those leading roles. Um, but I don't think it should be viewed as a rebuild. Um, I don't know that in college sports anymore that that word exists with the portal. Uh, because you don't have to start over with a bunch of freshmen and say, okay, we're going to let them learn on the job for a couple of years and then we're going to be good three years down the road. No, if you have holes, go out and hit the transfer portal and bring in some grad transfers. And, and PJ's done that. I mean, you look at brought in a transfer running back, two wide receivers, a couple of defensive backs, areas where they were uh, weak or had holes. He went and got veteran players. And so, and he talked about it. It's like, you should be able to at year seven, even when you have personnel changes with guys who played a lot, not take a gigantic step back. Now yeah. the schedule, the schedule. I mean, there's no way around it. It's a tough schedule. I mean, it's the second hardest schedule in the country. You, you add Ohio State, Michigan. You're at Iowa. You're at North Carolina with Drake May, um, who probably is going to be the number two pick in the NFL draft in the spring. Um, it's a tough schedule, and so you know, I, and you're relying on a bunch of unknowns, but I, I like the quarterback, Ethan Calic Manis. I feel like he has a chance to be pretty special. He's going to have his low moments this year, but like every young quarterback does, it's, there are going to be times where he makes a bad mistake. But I, I think when you look at his physical talent, um, I think it's all there. When you look at the wide receivers they brought in, it just sets up to me that for the first time in the Fleck era, we're going to see them really emphasize the passing yep. game because they don't have the mo. They don't have the bell cow running back that they're going to rely on to run 25 straight times. I mean, this is going to have to be an offense that's built around the quarterback. And when you get to a certain point, when you've established your program to a certain point, your down years should be seven or eight wins, not seven wins. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of that's kind of the, the line you've got to draw is like, okay, 
yeah, maybe we're not going to compete at Minnesota, talking from their program perspective, from for a Big Ten championship every year. But when you're down a little bit or regrouping or you didn't, you know, you lost some players, didn't, you know, you kind of in a transition a little bit, you shouldn't go down to four or five wins. You should stay above a certain watermark. I agree. Like you're, you're still going to be competitive. You might not win the close games that you, you know, you might have won otherwise, but you shouldn't be in a situation where, okay, this is a three win team. And then, you know, you're hoping to make a big leap next year. I, I think they're beyond that. Um, you know, but it, there are just unknowns when you have a first year. And, and I still think Calic man, as I look at him as a first year quarterback, even though he played in three games um, and got, which was good. It helped him with the experience, but this is the first time it's his team and you're yeah, the starter course. every week. Yeah. So, um, but I agree. I mean, the recruiting, you know, I've, I've been to two practices, Ball camp. I look at them athletically. I mean, they have young guys there that look like they recruited well. Um, now you just have to develop them, and and the transfers clearly will help them. Um, you got a couple NFL players. Brevin Spanford is going to be one of the best tight ends in the country. He'll be an NFL player. Tyler Newbin is going to be one of the best safeties in the country. He came back. Um, so you have some high-end talent there. Uh, now it's just these guys that were maybe backups. Yeah. Or play smaller roles, they're gonna have to be the starters and play, you know, a lot of, of the of those major roles. And so we'll see how they do. But I I just feel like structurally, with the, you know, with where their defense, what they have and, and what they're doing recruiting, and now that I feel like they feel like they have a physically really gifted quarterback, um they're in a good spot. It's just, you know, when you're playing Ohio State, Michigan in the same year yeah. and and going to Iowa and Wisconsin. You know, that's a, that's the crazy thing, Mike. In the Big Ten West, and this would be the we think the, the final year of the Big Ten West, well, yeah. that could change with adding Oregon and Washington if that re, uh, if that changes their thinking back. But um, four new coaches, and every team has a new quarterback in the Big Ten West. It's amazing. So it's like there's a lot to prove, a lot to be answered just in this division because you don't know what these coaches are going to bring, and and the quarterbacks, first year quarterbacks, it's hard to know like what the book on them is. Maybe we need to go to three divisions of six teams each, and we'll call them legends, leaders, and, <laughs> leaders. Lo- and losers. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do think, to me, you know, if you have 18 teams, I guess you could have two divisions of nine, but I, I just think this is trending to get to 20 schools, and then you could have four five-team divisions or pods, however you want to phrase it. And then if you did that, you could have, hey, each division winner – advances to your own little playoff. You have a semifinals and then you have to go to a championship game at the Rose Bowl. Okay. It makes too much sense. It makes too much sense. Jeez. So that's how you're going to get to the Rose Bowl. There you go. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see how the season plays out. It's a little over a week away from starting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I want to see if PJ can resist the urge to run it all the time that now that he's got the quarterback that can do a little bit more. I, I want to see if he's really going to be true to this idea that we think is going to happen, that they're going to throw more. I agree. I, and, and lastly, we've seen him in the past when things go not well with the passing game, yep. either drops or interceptions or whatever. He just shuts it off Shut and it says, down. we're going to run the ball and win the game. Yep. Like do not do that. You can't do that this year. I mean, you got to develop uh, anything Calic Manis and I think, I hope they will. Yeah, My gut says that we're going to see a different offense, but PJ could prove me wrong. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Chip, appreciate yeah. it as always. We'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. 
good conversation with Chip. And like I said at the beginning with the Mark Coyle stuff, this was not like a Mark Coyle is leaving. I don't, I don't get the sense that he's going anywhere. This is more an opportunity to have a thought exercise or an evaluation point of what he's done in these seven years at Minnesota. What's another school might look at and say, okay, this is, this is someone we might be interested in. And also just to say, hey, what if he, what if he did leave? What would, what kind of position would that leave Minnesota in? And again, I don't think any of that is imminent, more of a, more of a, a point or a marker when this USC stuff came up to kind of evaluate and take a look at all of that. And a chance to talk to Chip uh, about football too. I love talking football with Chip Gophers football. I'm interested about this season. And I think the, the biggest point that I wanted to make, and I think we made during that segment was, even if you are in kind of this rebuild mode or in a in a year where you've lost some known names like Tanner Morgan, Mo Ibrahim, things like that, in order to be a good program, the kind of program P.J. Fleck wants to have, your down years, your quote-unquote down years, are the years where you might not be you know, gearing up, you might not have the veterans at the spots or the known commodities at all the spots, you still have to be good in those years to maintain yourself. You can't dip down you know, outside of bowl eligibility, things like that in, in those years. That's that's important to a winning program. Sustain yourself seven or eight wins in those years instead of being all the way down there. So I think that's an important lesson for the Gophers this year, even with a tough schedule. Don't fall all the way down there because that that's where you start to have the slippage. That's where recruits look at you and say, Oh, you went five and seven. That's, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to come play there. You start to lose some of that faith in the program. Got to go seven and five, eight and four in scenarios like that. And then build, build, build to those 10 and two, 11 and one type of seasons where you are a true competitor for bigger and better things. Let's finish with the cooler, crazy story, espionage almost style in the NBA. The Knicks are suing. The Raptors, we found out Monday, um, saying that um, members of the Raptors and a former Knicks employee, reading from an ESPN story, um, illegally procured, quote, then disclosed proprietary information, saying that, uh, let's see, uh, the Knicks say that a former employee who now works for the Raptors, um, when they were courting him to join their team in this in this in this summer, that he sent like thousands of files of you know Raptors proprietary information, um, thousands of files of Knicks proprietary information to the Raptors, and that the Knicks are using or the, that the uh, that the Raptors are using this for some sort of edge. It's just a, it's a wild story. Go go to ESPN.com and read it. But basically accusing them of basically stealing all sorts of information. The Knicks accusing the Raptors of stealing all sorts of information through this. Employee who was changing teams and i want to see how this plays out because we've seen this in other sports where you know teams have stolen information from other from other teams and it does not usually end well if they are able to prove it so go check out that story that caught my eye as i was reading on monday night and i went back to it this morning as well that will do it for me today i think jeff day will join me on wednesday show to talk gophers volleyball um, and uh, plenty of good stuff later this week too expecting to have Adrian Heath Minnesota United manager on the show as well so hope you stick around and enjoy that stay cool today until tomorrow I'm Michael Rand back at it then